Hello, everyone. Welcome to Take the Black Live, the show where Cheryl Watson, our culturist, and I, Dan Selkie, winners coming.net, discuss the latest in Game of Thrones, Hunger Mice, and Fire related news for your viewing pleasure. Today, we are actually not recording live, um, so I'm sorry we can't respond to your comments because it is Halloween and the office is having a bit of a shindig later. So, we're pre recording this, but I uh, hope you stick with us anyway, and we'll be back live next week. Cheryl, you're in costume. What are you going as? I am a dark lady of the Sith. I want to apologize to, I believe it's Julie, who doesn't like Star Wars. Um, true. But I'm a huge Star Wars fan, so I decided to bring my lightsaber, you know, wear a Darth Vader jacket, wear all black. You know, I have Imperial earrings on. I'm full-blown Sith Lord. And Dan Selkie... What on earth are you wearing on your head? I'm Daenerys Targaryen, if she could grow a beard. It's perfect. That's my costume. I think it's pretty good. And also, if she were in modern times, and also if she wore a really cheap wig. I mean, Daenerys seems like the type who would wear a lot of wigs in modern, <laughs> in the modern era. Or like dye her hair a lot. Fair enough. Something like that. Or just spend know. like half a day every day at the salon. Yeah. Get to look that way. All right. Anyway, let's get to the Game of Thrones and Sniper's Fire News, because there was some exciting stuff happening this week, of course. Um, and all of it involves casting. Basically, uh, the Game of Thrones prequel. Let's chat about that for a minute. Because it's happening, Cheryl. I mean, it's going full steam ahead. Um, we're getting more news about it than we are getting about Game of Thrones Season 8, really. Um, a while ago, there was a rumor that the beautiful and talented Naomi Watts <laughs> was going to be on the Game of Thrones prequel as a series regular. And lo and behold, yesterday, Entertainment Weekly deadlined, all confirm it, Naomi Watts, star of such films as Mulholland Drive, 21 Grams, King Kong, Eastern Promises, the third season of Twin Peaks, which is the best thing about it, frankly, um, is going to be a series regular on the Game of Thrones prequel. And frankly, I couldn't be happier. Dan Salkier, are you sure you're going as Daenerys Targaryen and not IMDb? Because you just rattled off like a lot of Naomi Watts' Listen, career. I like Naomi Watts a lot, <laughs> like maybe too much. Like I've, I, I saw Mulholland Drive a long time ago. I was like blown away by her and I've kind of like followed her ever since. Have you ever seen that movie? I have not. It's really good. She's okay. great in it. Okay. Basically, I think I'm very excited for that. She's a terrific actress. She's very powerful. I'm happy that you're happy. Me too. Um, again, I, I, it, I, I said this when we discussed the rumor. She's not overexposed really. Mm -hmm. I like that. Um, and she's just, she's just solid and dependable and a big enough name that they can attract some viewers like me to it. So I'm very pleased with the news. How about you, Cheryl? Don't lie, Dan. You were going to watch it even if they only watched it. Of course I wasn't in it. But this is a good, this is, this is a, a good uh, upsell. Yeah, I'm, I'm more than happy with it. I kind of like the character description. She's supposed Did to be you? Some, some, okay. some sort of socialite, I believe. Yeah, re read it to me, please. Yeah, Dan. the character description for Naomi Watts' character, unnamed character, is she is playing a charismatic socialite hiding a dark secret. And we should qualify this series is set during the Age of Heroes, thousands of years before the main show. Um, that's kind of all we know about it. We're not really sure what's going to happen in this show. Probably will involve White Walkers, the long night, a period during Western history where uh, the White Walkers came for the first time. What do you like about this as character description? I, I like that they're calling her a socialite, which might seem a little strange, mm -hmm. but I like that they're establishing that even though this is, you know, however long before the events of Game of Thrones, there's still society there. There's enough oh, yeah. of a society that there is someone who can be a socialite. 
And also, here's my tinfoil hat theory. The dark secret is that she's turning into a White Walker or something like that. Oh, that's, that would be some high fantasy stuff. Tinfoil hat. Tinfoil hat theory. I gotta tell you, I didn't really like the, the description. Like, Really? Soci- no, I didn't. Like, I, and, and actually, it was that word, socialite that, socialite, that threw me off. I was like, socialite. It sounded too modern to me. Like, Marjorie Terrell is somebody who you could call sort of a Westerosi socialite, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like that word underplays the fact that when Marjorie does it, there's always like a power play aspect to all the socializing she does. And it's more about climbing the ladder of power than it is about like throwing a party, fun. And uh, I don't know, I think socialite is, sounds a little frivolous for this. But I mean, maybe it's just PR speak or maybe, I mean, and again, we're not really sure what kind of show we're going to get. Um, Age of Heroes, the Seven Kingdoms, still Seven Kingdoms. They're all kind of at war with each other. Um, of course, I'll be curious to see where she fits into it. But I don't know. I, I was given the side, the side eye to that word, socialite. Socialite. It makes me consider that she's, pro- I don't want to say probably, she might be mm-hmm. a Lannister. Oh, I mean, that's where my mind went immediately. Yeah. I mean, I'll admit, it's just because she's blonde. Yeah. But it kind of plays into that kind of character. Oh, yeah. I could see it. Like a a Cersei Tywin Mm -hmm. type. Yeah. Who is all about managing people and being in the right place at the right time and opportunistic, stuff like that. Yeah. Which could be cool. I'm not saying it wouldn't be cool. Yeah, I'm strongly into that. Um, and my other thought is, you know, especially because we have, you know, this, this, it's kind of in line with the Lannister's history to have these kinds of people. You know, you've got right. Land the Clever and everything. Land the Clever is a Age of Heroes figure who is. basically stole Casterly Rock from the Casterlies. Yep. That would be pretty cool. That would be pretty that. cool. That would be pretty cool. And it would be interesting if... Naomi Watts' character plays some sort of part in that. Yeah. I think that would be where she might fit most naturally. Or maybe, because it's thousands of years before. This is just tinfoil craziness. We don't need to talk about this. but uh, More tinfoil hats. Maybe Land the Clever was woman originally, and then only through thousands of years of time, uh, the story got a little mangled or something. I love it. Really? Yeah. Slam that into my veins. I love it. I could be into that. Oh, I love it. I mean, because the, the description of HBO says that it's not the story we know, basically, was what yeah. we're told. We don't know a lot <laughs> about no. it already. No. So and they have kind of free reign. I mean, again, I'm, I'm not sure what they're going to do with this show. Exactly. But if, if Watts is involved, um, that's just a good sign. It's only a good sign. Yes. And my thing especially is because, you know, there's a lot of dispute about how long ago the Age of Heroes even happened. That's true. So... The fact that there could be some sort of decay in information, who, right. in information about who like Land the Clever was. Just saying. I mean, or happen. it's like Lena Headey is blonde, but she just or, or brunette just wears a wig. It's like not like like hair color isn't destiny, especially on television. It is in Game of Th- in the world of Game of Thrones, though. <laughs> no, it's not. I just said that Lena Headey is a brunette, but she wears a blonde wig. Uh, in pop. universe, it is. Uh. Amelia Clark, not platinum blonde. Uh, in universe. Sure. So, you know, you know, Robert Baratheon, <laughs> black of hair, Joffrey Baratheon, that gold is true. of hair. But behind the scenes, yes. wigs, I also don't have this hair. I'm shocked to hear it. Me too. Um, anyway, that's exciting. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Yes. 
And on top of that, we also had uh, casting notices from Watchers on the Wall, the fan site, about other characters they are casting for this prequel. And they sound pretty cool, too, or interesting. Right. Um, there are five series regulars. One's a 50 to 60-something uh, black man series regular, um, a 30-something uh, Germanic Eastern European actor, let's see, uh, 40-something, 50-something... Uh, Eastern European actor again, male, and then two women, Caucasian, one thirty something, one late twenties, all series regulars. So I'm not sure if that tells us much. They're just no. you know they're casting people, <laughs> but it's good to see that they're 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 moving forward with it. I guess the the interesting one is probably the fifty to sixty black male they're looking for because that tells us this might not be set entirely in Westeros. Or if it does, it'll be about somebody who's probably not from Westeros, mm -hmm. because mostly Westeros being based on England is pretty white over there. Yeah. And, you know, it is it is kind of interesting that they would... I, I'm glad to see it, sure. frankly. Um, you know, more diversity in shows is pretty much always welcome. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I'm intrigued to see who he is, mm -hmm. why he's there, the older... Thing also kind of pings something in my brain like I'm thinking maybe like a maester type character perhaps oh, that's true. Um, but I, I like that they're casting a range of ages as they well are. for that's the nice. show and I mean Watts herself is I, I want to say around 50 <laughs> and you don't know that for shame no. Dan <laughs> no, I'm just I kidding I'm a fan of mine. Yeah. you're a terrible fan that's all um, but yeah, I'm I'm intrigued that there's this kind of breadth of people that they're trying to find, and it's a shame that we don't know more about them just yet. But I mean, it's, uh, and that's true to Game of Thrones. Like that, right. Game of Thrones also had a, a wide breadth of people. Everyone from Olena, who is very old, to Bran, who's like a whippersnapper. Exactly, Rip Olena Tyrell, pouring right, out exactly. my girl. Um, but yeah, I, I like that they're keeping in that, at least. Mm -hmm. I'm really A multi-generational story. Yeah. I mean, there's part of me that wonders if it's going to be too similar, because it feels like uh, it's starting to look like we're going to get a story about the time the White Walkers invaded Westeros. <laughs> we're going to have a story on Essos. It's going to be a lot of different characters, an ensemble cast, which is always good. Multiple generations, multiple genders, multiple races. And um, that it might be a little too similar to Game of Thrones. But, again, it's very early, mm -hmm. and it has Naomi Watts, so I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> Naomi Watts cures all ills. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I'm, I'm with you. That I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm a little, of course, you know, mm -hmm. dubious about some of the choices, that in, even just the setting and stuff. But I'm, I'm willing to right. give it a shot, especially if, if your conspiracy theory that Naomi Watts is Land the Clever is is actually comes true. I'm glad I could have helped you with that. I'm extremely into that. Okay. Um, let's move on because okay. there's more news. There's also more casting news. Moving on to talk about so Game of Thrones Season 8, the final so season much. of Game of Thrones. There's a lot of, there's a lot of news this week. Mm -hmm. Okay. Season 8. Last six episodes of the show. Um, it's done shooting, but that doesn't mean there can't be more characters added to the roster. Um, Reddit. A Reddit user named Every Fucking Chicken on Reddit uh, found something interesting on Spotlight, which is a website that is just a bunch of curriculum vitae's for actors. A dude named Toby Osmond, an English actor, wrote the following on his actor bio. 
earlier this year completed filming a great royal role in the next and final series of an epic network fantasy saga airing spring 2019. Which just at that point, just say it's Game of Thrones, dude. <laughs> I don't know why, I don't know what you think you're hiding. And this guy was photographed uh, with other members of the cast in Seville a while back. So yeah, he's, he's definitely in season eight in yeah. some way. I mean, there's no way he's not, right, with all that? I mean, it's like 98%. I'll give him, I'll give him a 2% doubt. <laughs> sure, but I think it's pretty clear. Yes. Um, and interestingly, it kind of falls in line with some spoilers we've heard. Uh, there was a gentleman named Fricky Doctor who talked about a scene at the Dragon Pit, an important scene. We'll go into spoilers, but there'll be a couple of new characters there. Mm -hmm. And basically, Osmond, the scuttlebutt, is that he's one of them. And then you look at his coloring. He has a Mediterranean look. People are starting to think, are starting to say Dornish. Maybe even like a surviving Martell. Maybe even Quentin Martell from A Dance with Dragons. Oh, boy. What do you think of this? I mean... Quentin Martell is the worst in the books. Why do you say that? Do you not like Quentin Martell? I just don't like him. I mean, my I think his story is boring, but... Yeah, he's, he's just kind of boring. Like, most of A Feast for Crows and A Dance with Dragons is, <laughs> is kind of boring. Um, kind of. Kind of. <laughs> you have to qualify. Kind, it's qualified, guys. Don't come for me too much. Um... And so I'm not... But I'm interested in the idea of what the show can do with him. Right. Because the show finally managed to do something decent with Dorn. By killing the people. By killing them, <laughs> yes. Um, but that would also kind of square with the whole royal role because he would be a prince he of Dorn. He does say royal role. Yeah, that is interesting. He would be the prince of Dorn at this I'm point. I'm hoping it's not Quentin Martell. I think it would be kind of a cheap ploy to say, oh, there's another Martell we just didn't tell you about. He's still <laughs> hanging around. We just didn't talk about him. What if it's Oberyn's, one of Oberyn's bastards? Um, well, he, he, he doesn't have any sons. He's, he said on the show he has, That's true. he has eight daughters. That's true. Also, yeah. that guy is not really over in son age. No. Like, the oldest one was, like, in their 20s. Shh. Um, Let me have my fantasy. I'm just too dorky and know too many of this minutia. <laughs> um, I'm hoping, I think, it, it, he does seem like he's a, maybe a Dornish character. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping it'll be, like, just a, a guy from another noble Dornish house there to represent Dorn. Because it seems like they've killed the Martells, and I don't want them to pull out, oh, Quentin was here the whole time. We just didn't talk about him. I, th I think that, that, that would disappoint me. Okay. But I, I'm okay with him just being like a Jan Wood or other noble Dornish house I don't know the name of. The Danes aren't all the way down in Dorne. No, they're not. Yeah, I think they are. Oh, they might be. Yeah, I'm, I, I, actually, I don't know. I feel bad. No, I think they, never mind. Who cares? <laughs> Um, the point is, Dornish, Dragon Pig, Toby Osmond, welcome to the Game of Thrones family. Yeah. Look forward to seeing you. Yes. And uh, that's that. Any other thoughts on that? No, I'm good. Now cool. I want to go look it up. Let's check the comments. Done. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good comment, Julie. Thank yes. you. Okay. Um, finally, let's go beyond the wall for a second and talk about some things not related to Game of Thrones. So this one actually is kind of circles back. Mm -hmm. um, HBO. There was an article in the Rolling Stone recently that talked about a new method HBO is taking kind of in response to the Me Too movement a bit. Mm -hmm. Which there's an actress on the set of The Deuce, which is a David Simon show about the porn industry in the 70s. Uh, let's see. Her name is uh, Emily Mead, who plays a prostitute on the show. She does a lot of sex scenes. 
she went to HBO and said, I need someone to speak up for me on the set because I'm a little uncomfortable doing this kind of stuff. Um, I'd like more backup. And basically HBO said, okay. And they hired a woman named Alicia Rodas to be an intimacy coordinator. And I use it in quotes because I had never heard the term before. So let's just get it out there in the lexicon. Um, and basically an intimacy coordinator is something HBO is now doing for all of its shows, all of its movies. It is someone who is on the set during, for any show movie that has a sex scene involved and is there to do a few things. To speak up for the performers, to make sure they're comfortable, to do things that are very practical, like in terms of, in the, in the Rolling Stone story, they said, uh, like she just gave Emily Mead knee pads for a scene where she was giving someone uh, a blowjob, or giving her like mouth spray between takes, that kind of thing. Giving her things to cover up herself between takes. Um, making sure, being an intermediary from being an intermediary between the actors and the directors and the producers to make sure everyone's on the same page this stuff making sure the sex scenes relate back to the story rather than are there for their own sake just kind of and remind everybody that this is a workplace and try to draw a hard line between behavior that's a professional actor would do and things getting a little creepy which you know over the last year we've seen a lot of that in hollywood yes and I think it's a really interesting new idea. And what are your thoughts on it, Cheryl? I mean, we've kind of talked about this in relation to Game of Thrones. We did. We had a whole episode on the Wit Club yes, about it. Yes, we did. Um, where we kind of talked about what is exploitative and what is necessary to the story. And yeah, it sounds Is there like, a line? Is there a line? Yes. yes. And where is it? And where is it? And I think having this kind of, I don't want to say neutral third party, but mm -hmm. definitely kind of a third party. Yeah, who's a third party. only job is to make sure that this is, everyone is comfortable with, with, with what is happening. Everyone is safe. Mm -hmm. And everyone feels like they have an opportunity to speak. Because, you know, if you're an actor you don't want to get a reputation for being difficult if you yeah. complain to the director too much. And, you know, we talked about a story, you know, a bit of Game of Thrones Apocrypha on the Wick Club episode um, where even listening to it, I felt very cringy. Oh, completely. And so having someone, that intimacy coordinator on set, I think would have helped ameliorate that situation and can probably help ameliorate situations in the future. So I think it's a really good move. I hope other networks start to um, imitate this and hire intimacy coordinators of their own. Mm -hmm. I think it's a really good step mm -hmm. in terms of like, you know, we are making, we are doing, we're making changes here. We, we see this, we hear this, and we want to improve this situation, at least to some extent. No, I hear you. And um, yeah. I think that story is instructive, the, the one about the Game of Thrones director. Mm -hmm. Because I, f I feel like preemptively, th there may be some people who hear this news and say, oh, is that really needed? And then you hear stories like this, and then you're like, eh, maybe it is needed. So this story, just really briefly, involved uh, Blackwater, the episode of Game of Thrones, where Tyrion blows up the ship and Stannis tries to invade King's Landing. There's a story from the director, Neil Marshall, I want to say his name is, who talks about how uh, HBO rep came to him and basically, basically demanded have a woman be naked in this scene. <laughs> like, that's what we want. That's for the audience, the perverts in the audience. That's a direct quote. So just do it. I don't care if it's artistic. Just do it. And, you know, that's the kind of gratuitous thing that just, just, just feels gross. 
And uh, having somebody on set to say, maybe don't do that. That's gross for grossness sake. We don't need that. We're a little better than that would be a step in the right direction. Absolutely. Exactly. Um, I also liked that Rodis, the, the intimacy coordinator on the set of The Deuce, and it's now on some other shows on HBO too, worked as a stunt performer before and like was a fight scene director. I, I, I think it's really interesting, the idea of treating a sex scene kind of like it's an action scene in terms of people need to be protected. Like, there needs to be concern about safety, both physical and emotional, when you do a sex scene, just like there's concern about safety when you do an action scene, because people are at risk in a way. It's very vulnerable, it's very intimate. Like, you could get hurt in a lot of different ways. So having somebody there to speak up for people makes a lot of sense. In the way you have somebody in a set to speak up for people, to, for, for stunt performers who, who, who could hurt themselves in the same way someone doing a sex scene is very vulnerable and can hurt themselves. Mm -hmm. So having somebody there just, it seems like a really solid idea. Or even someone to just say, hey, we need a break from this. Let's yeah, let exactly. the actors take a step back, kind of reset, get back in a good headspace, a good you know, emotional state, a mental state to do this. You know, Because even if you're doing a stunt, you can't do it 50 times in a row. Right. You have to take those steps back and take breaks. And I think it's the same thing here. So having this coordinator to be like, okay, we're going to take a step back now, I think will be really helpful for actors, hopefully. Right. And I mean, it, it's helpful for actors, and I think in the long run, good for shows. Mm -hmm. I mean, this kind of thing, it sounds like it would produce better sex scenes. It's not going to, like, rob them of their, you know, sexiness or anything. <laughs> yeah. This is about making sure sex scenes are as good as they can be, not uh, for, for everyone, the performers and the audience, not, like watering them down or something exactly i'm just trying to like predict responses to this and, <laughs> and uh preempt them all right so we're in agreement intimacy coordinators go yay yeah and again good, good good for you hbo for uh innovating that and i do hope other people would take it up mm -hmm. although it's kind of ironic for hbo to do this because hbo as we all know is famous for its uh sex scenes it's gratuitous nudity has a long history of that but it's also on the cutting edge of stuff mm -hmm. so why not be on the cutting edge of this as well yeah it's, I, I think it honestly makes the most sense for HBO to have done this first because yeah, of that does, reputation. Yeah. It does have uh, a lot that it's done in the past. So it, it does make sense that they would finally kind of look at what's happening in the industry and kind of look at what they're doing and be like, okay, maybe we should do this. So hopefully more people emulate it. All right. That is our very serious ending to Take the Black Live where we also wear silly wigs and costumes. Uh, what do you guys think about it? Leave your comments below. We'll be back live next week. We're taking a song and then and Josh off this week uh, for the Halloween shindig. But we'll be back next week with more of that, more news, more discussion, more Game of Thrones, Song of Fire goodness. Thanks for watching, and we will see you guys next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Central. See you guys next Adios. week.